lead, the anxiety and pressure is going to build. Ooh, bad turnover here. Casey Colts. It's Facundo Torres! It is loud in here. Haven't Holy these people ever mackerel. won a final? It is loud, and oh, I gotta tell you, time. it is hot. No, no, it's a great atmosphere, by the way. We've got napkins on the set, not because we've been eating, but we may have to wipe sweat from our brows. It is humid. It you is are hot. sweating. It is. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> pointing that out to everybody uh, at home. Uh, it is an incredible atmosphere here. Really we was. can hardly hear the people back in Los Angeles. We can hardly hear each other. It's been a great atmosphere, not just all night, but all day here, Hurricane Orlando. Yeah. Production wants to talk to me. Do it after the stadium, after the people leave this stadium, because you you can't hear anything. I can't even hear myself think. But you're right. Uh, you asked me why are there so many people staying at our hotel from Orlando. I mean, people are coming in out of Orlando for this game. It was packed. It took a while for the fans to get going, but once they did, they really made their presence felt. The singing, the chanting, the supporting their team. It, it was quite something to be seen. All right, so we got a lot coming up in this edition of Football Americas. We're going to take you up to the trophy presentation live here from Exploria Stadium. I think a lot of the Orlando fans are going to hang out for that, so you want to stay tuned. Going to be some great images, some great stories there that you'll see on video. We're also going to talk about the big news in the rest of the kind of Mexican and American soccer world. We had some great performances over the last couple of days in Champions League and big news for fans of the U.S. men's national team. Thomas Tuchel is no longer the manager of Chelsea. Oh, no. We will definitely discuss how that's going to impact Christian Pulisic. But we got to start here in Orlando with what we've just seen. A very good performance from Orlando. One where you really saw their quality, Herc, I think, overtake Sacramento in the second half. That was really the difference, wasn't it? Yeah, really Sacramento against all odds, if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. This is a situation where they're going in against a major league soccer team with much more talent with a higher payroll, who's, by the way, hosting said event in front of their people, in front of their fans, who are hungry, who are desperate for a title. And also Major League Soccer happened to give them the weekend off. Well, USL, not so much. They had to play, they had to travel, they make that cross-country flight and they gave it they gave it their all it really was a good performance from Sacramento until that one went in and you knew it was just a matter of time that yeah. went in and it really broke their back credit to them and their performance but Orlando really coming through and showing their talent in the final 15 but I think we can give Sacramento and Mark Briggs a lot of credit oh yeah the final score here says three nothing says blowout but this was not a blowout game their plan seemed to work almost to perfection in that first half Orlando didn't have a ton of opportunities for the gap that we're going to talk about in terms of expense between these two teams. You didn't see that, certainly not in the first 45 minutes. Yeah, I'll reserve right now what I was going to say about Orlando because there is a game-changing moment for Orlando. But as far as Sacramento, very disciplined in the way they defend, really stifling any type of Orlando attack, frustrating if you will. Erkin Khan, the big, uh, the big forward for, for Orlando, really could never get going. And you have to credit the way that Sacramento defended. And then the way, I don't want to say counter, I don't want to say broke out, but were very calculated in the way they pressed and the way they attacked Orlando. Foster in place of Douglas Martinez. Uh, Douglas Martinez, when he finally got on, it was probably the space wasn't there. You couldn't really see that transition attack. They couldn't get Roro um, Lopez going. He's been a huge factor yeah. for him. And any big moment that Sacramento's had throughout their history has been Roro. So uh, that was uh, lacking per se. 
but it was just a matter of time. And it really was about the talent level. It really was about what this Orlando team could offer, especially in that offensive third. And I believe it was the 61st, 63rd minute. Yep. Benji Michel comes on for Erkan Khan. I really think that unlocked the way that Orlando moved forward, really put the Sacramento defensive line under pressure. And and it just took one. And once that went in, it forced Sacramento to open themselves up, and it was just another. another. You know, you talk about a final, and you wonder kind of who's the responsibility on. In this final, it was very clear. In some finals, it's not. But here, Orlando is the MLS team. Yeah. They're at home. They've had the break. They want that first trophy in franchise history. So you knew that not just the onus, but the pressure was on them. To your point, I feel like Oscar Pareja really played his cards right, especially in the sub. He's the first to go to the bench. You mentioned Benji Micha. I mean, he's involved in all the goals for Orlando. That's yeah. the difference right there. It is. It is depth, essentially, isn't it? It is depth. It is talent level. It is money. It is what it is. Let's be honest. Uh, but give a lot of credit to Sacramento and how good they were. This was a case of big bank take little bank. It was a matter of time. Um, when they scored their first, it forced the Sacramento to play out of their comfort zone. And then individual errors really took over for Sacramento. Defensive errors, uh, the way you give the ball up in the back, the penalty that was unnecessary. You don't have to leave your feet like that, especially from behind. It just forced them to do something they weren't ready for. But every minute after halftime, that Sacramento kept it 0-0. It yep. felt like the tide was turning and the pressure was on Orlando. And, and when you think about it, you're the Major League Soccer team hosting the event against a lower division squad. Right. More money in front of your people in an element you understand. With all the pressure and responsibility in the world, it really felt like Sacramento could maybe use that to their advantage. But as soon as that first goal goes in, it's pretty much over. I don't know if you heard this on the broadcast. John Champion mentioned it. Facundo Torres, who ends up getting the game winner in this one. His transfer fee was, not, not his salary, just his transfer fee, three times Sacramento's payroll. That's a, that's a huge difference, It is, man. and this is why I commend, I commend the Sacramento uh, Republic, their players, the fan base, which has been amazing. Uh, the ownership group, Todd Donovan, when we spoke to him, they understand what they were up against. USL understood what they were up against. This may be Orlando City's first trophy, but this is a very good Orlando side. I mean, they've spent a ton of money since inception. Yep. trying to be relevant in this league. This beautiful stadium and this downtown facility or vicinity uh, to have this opportunity to lift the title yep. from their from home fans, excuse me, the, the odds were stacked against Sacramento. Do you do you think for Orlando this is kind of a, a turning point maybe in franchise history? You mentioned how they came into the league. 2015, you know, just a couple blocks down the road here, Camping World, full of people. I mean, huge crowds compared to what they're getting now. Of course, it's a smaller stadium. Kaká was one of the most expensive players in Major League Soccer at the time. It's kind of gone downhill from there for a while. They didn't maybe... They keep, go in waves, right? Yeah, they didn't keep yeah, the level early waves. on. Now you see, I maybe we're caught up in it because of the atmosphere here. They've just lifted their first trophy. They've kept with a manager, Oscar Pareja, since 2019, which is yeah. a long time in MLS. Term. Which was the absolute correct decision in Oscar Pareja. He may lack the MLS title, but he brings stability everywhere he is. He, he's, he really knows the league so well. He knows what it's about. He knows what to get out of his players, and he's well-respected and like, here's the thing. I remember playing in Orlando. It wasn't this stadium. It was that field where they had the awful turf, and it was elsewhere. But their fan base, I remember how unenjoyable it was to play in front of them. And I say that with the utmost respect. They made you feel a bit hostile, like it was a visiting right. venue. And you don't get that type of feeling often in Major League Soccer. And towards the end of this game, I mean, I'm looking around, the whole stadium yeah. is singing. And they're singing in Spanish. And I'm looking around, you know Spanish? You know Spanish? You know Spanish? It really feels like there's something different going on. Hopefully this can be brush fire for Orlando City. Yeah, I mean, it's really exciting times. You think about kind of what they're building here. They've just acquired, I think, some land around the stadium. You feel like Orlando could be maybe an up-and-coming team. And then you see the players that they've got. I mean, Facundo Torres, is. we had him on the show, so, you know, we're very well-versed on him now. But he's a huge difference maker at this level and at the MLS level. Listen, I believe it was something like $9 million with incentives with a transfer fee. Um, 22 years old, being scouted, being looked at by some of the best teams in the yep. world. And one of the footballing fabric, fabric, or excuse me, factories that is Peñarol. Um, for them to get Facundo Torres this early, to make him a mainstay on their team, for them, for him to realize the opportunity that is here, 
that other players have used, that trampoline, that stepping stone to go to Europe and be part of this process, I think it's something special. But he's not the only one. And I go back to Oscar Pareja, definitely the most important signing in the Orlando City tenure right now. Right, right. I've just caught up in the atmosphere here. We got like a dance party breaking out to our left. We got a bunch of fans behind us who, by the way, have been definitely reminding me of my pick that Sacramento Republic would win this game. Oh, they don't like you. In 90. No, no nobody no, likes no. me anywhere. That's that's nothing new. They said, um, you little guy down in front, you bet against us. I think it's I think it's worth talking about kind of this atmosphere, this stadium, this facility in the greater context of American soccer and kind of what we're starting to see in Orlando. My one image of this place is 2017, the game before the Cuba game for that U.S. men's oh, national yeah. team where they played Panama here. This was it, right? It was right here. I was doing sideline reporting for that game, and when I think it was Adrian or maybe it was Ian Dark tossed it to me, I could not hear. Yeah. We cannot hear right now. I think when you talk about soccer-specific stadiums in America and the places that can produce the most noise, this stadium has to be at the top of the list for two reasons. One, it's bigger than most of the other soccer-specific stadiums. You can fit around 25K in, and they did today. They sold it out. And I think the other thing here is the way they built it, the roof. The roof keeps all of not just the noise, but the energy, and it's a it madhouse. It does, it does. Uh, I was walking down about when the first goal came in, and I was literally right around here watching, and above us, the stands were shaking. It felt like a second, like it's the bombonera, in a safe way, okay? <laughs> but you couldn't hear yourself. You couldn't hear yourself think. It was so loud. It was so electric. There's a vibe. There's a feeling to it. Like I said, hopefully this can be brush fire for Orlando City. Let me ask you this, because we're going to talk about kind of the determining factors in this game, and one of the big talking points before the game was the help that Orlando City got from Major League Soccer and the help that Sacramento, on the other hand, didn't get from USL. So what does that mean? Well, Sacramento had to go to Louisville, so a cross-country trip. I guess in some way they were already coming over here anyway. They got to go against one of the best franchises in USL. They rested most of their starters. Yeah, eight players, I believe. Yeah, but then they got to come here and play this game. Meanwhile, Orlando hasn't played in a week. They last played Seattle yeah. last midweek. And, and when you home. look at how this game played out, it was decided in the last half hour. Am I crazy to suggest that that's basically the difference? If you, if you take into consideration on top of the fact Orlando's going to be deeper than Sacramento. Right. And then you add the fact that they've played Sacramento more minutes. I feel like there was an inevitability that the end of these 90 minutes were going to be really tough for Sacramento. Look, we're looking at the lower lower league teams that have won, right? Or have been in finals. Only one has won. Rochester Rhinos, 1999. It shows you how difficult it's been since Major League Soccer has been around. So the fact that Orlando gets to host this game yeah. really was the deciding factor in my mind of how this would go. Really? Yeah, because when we did the book, it, I said, you know what? This would be a flyer. Yes. This really should be a 4-0 game. I yeah. said that on air. It was 3-0. They could have made it 4, maybe even 5. You felt like if Sacramento had a chance, it was 0-0 and maybe in PKs. But if Sacramento had hosted, totally. this could have been a different story. And that what I'm thinking is, you're saying it was 3-0, but it was 0-0 late. And right. there was tension in this building. Could you imagine what the tension would have been like back in Sacramento yeah. if they're getting to the hour mark and it's still 0-0? Would have been amazing. All right, it looks like, it looks like, it sounds like they're getting ready to hand out some of the hardware here at Exploria Stadium again in the aftermath of Orlando City's U.S. Open Cup win over Sacramento Republic. The final score, 3-0. All three goals for Orlando City coming in the second half as they pick up the first trophy, major trophy in franchise history. All right, uh, before we send it down to the field, look at that TIFO. Uh, they're doing some amazing stuff. Let's get you caught up on the highlights from this game in case you're just joining us 20 minutes in. The first real chance for Orlando, kind of a half chance. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's Moutinho crossing the ball. Antonio Carlos doesn't really know a lot about this. Look, it kind of eases his way and find him. He doesn't really get enough on it. He, he's going to lament that one, uh, but still 0-0, 20 minutes in. Remember our guy Malik Foster, who yep. hit the Panenka and then put everybody to sleep? Well, he had his big chance here, 22nd minute on his left foot. Oh, he yeah. did not miss by much. He didn't miss by much, but there's a chance to engage the defender right here. Look, he's going to cut the defender one way, opens up, engages the defender. You can release Lopez in. He doesn't. goes himself. It just goes wide. So 0-0 at the half. Into the second half. Our guy Roro with the cross.
cross. Douglas Martinez, the header. Pedro Garese, the save. El Pulpo. Yeah, El Pulpo. Very easy routine save for him in the end. A good movement by Roro. Good ball there. And you know how it is, right? One minute after that, Orlando comes down and scores. They take advantage of a mistake in the back from Sacramento. That's Facundo Torres finishing from just beyond the penalty spot. Yes. Yeah, defender facing his own goal. Tries to turn right here. Don't know what he was doing. Benji Michel picks that up, and if Facundo Torres left-footed finish, he roofs that. It's one of the uh, routine finishes for a player of that caliber. And then from there, the floodgates just opened. Game like this, you know you can't make mistakes. Sacramento didn't selfie. really make one until then, but it's costly. 79th minute, Orlando with another chance here. Not a goal, but a penalty for sure as Benji Michel taken yeah, down. And you have to feel for Dan Casey because he was so solid before the ball that he gave away. So solid before this penalty. It really was five minutes to change the course, or six minutes to change the course for Sacramento. Facundo Torres steps up and slams it home. There it is, 2-0 Orlando. And at that point, Herc, you kind of knew it was over, right? Once that first one went in, the crowd really got into it. And it was just too much too late. And the last one right there, it's Benji Michel. He'll take that one. He really made the difference when he came on. You said he was involved in all goals. I couldn't see this one over all the people that were in front of us, but a special, special night for Orlando City as they beat Sacramento Republic. 3-0 in the Open Cup Final, and there it is. Their first major title since joining MLS back in 2015. Herc, you've been on that field. You've been in the midst of these Open Cup celebrations. You won one but back in uh, 2005 with the LA Galaxy. What does this mean to the guys on this Orlando team? It's a trophy. That's what you prepare for. All preseason. That's what they ingrain in your mind that matters. When you hang up these boots, nobody's going to ask, hey, how many people did you play in front of? Nobody's going to ask, hey, what was your favorite venue? Nobody's going to ask, you know, how many goals? Okay. How many trophies? Right. What did you get to lift? Right. And these are the moments you take away. The best moments of your footballing career are the ones you win with the men and women by your side. Mm -hmm. Those are the best moments. So from preseason, because I'm sure this is one of the goals for Oscar Pareja and this Orlando City team is Open Cup. And Open Cup, the responsibility of a week win that, the CONCACAF Champions League, and MLS Cup. Classy touch here as we see the uh, Sacramento Republic players giving the champions their guard of honor as they approach the, the stage to get not only their medals from Cindy Parlocone, the president of U.S. Soccer, but also eventually the trophy. We're seeing Orlando in their celebratory moment now, but real quick, maybe a final thought here on Sacramento. Will they be kicking themselves at all? Is there anything that they could have done tonight different? No. It took to the 79th minute for Sacramento to be down in this tournament. Not this game, this tournament. That's how good Sacramento was all open cup. They really are the cream of the crop, one of the bars of the USL, one of the model franchises, if you will. It, it's not for nothing that they were awarded a Major League right. Soccer franchise. This really has it all, Sacramento. It, it's, it's a franchise that continues to cement itself as one of the elite in North American football. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. There was, I think, over 500 Sacramento Republic fans that made the cross-country tip. A lot of them staying in our hotel. Like, yes, we saw a lot of Orlando gear around town today. No doubt about that. We saw a lot of Sacramento Republic Absolutely. gear around town as well. And a special shout-out to the folks watching at the uh, Sacramento Convention Center. Thousands, I think, uh, of people there gathered uh, for this game. So you get a sense, even though it's a loss, there's a win in this run for Sacramento Republic, isn't there, as we see Mark Briggs? There, yeah, Mark Briggs. A silver lining for sure. You've done something that you have. I mean, they knocked out the Los Angeles Galaxy. Javier Hernandez Chicharito and the Los Angeles Galaxy to the knockout. Sporting Kansas City, who have won a few in the 2000s, by the way, a few Open Cups. It's, it's by no means nothing to sneeze at. It's quite a run. And it took a team playing in their own stadium to beat them. The moment they've been waiting for since 2015. Let's listen to Exploria Stadium as Orlando City lifts the U.S. Open Cup trophy for 2022. Of Orlando, raw like never before.
It's wild, Herc. We see both faces of a final there. Yes, the Orlando players lifting the trophy. On the other side, the Sacramento guys who have to watch it. You got to feel bad for them. Having to watch this in this atmosphere with these fireworks going off, that's got to be the worst feeling in sport. It's it an empty the feeling. Best. It's an empty feeling losing a final. Um, it's not easy. It doesn't sit well. You start replaying over and over in your mind what you could have done, what you didn't do did it, how you could have done it. It's something that they're going to remember, especially this moment. You have to think about Sacramento Republic and, and the men and women of that organization getting to this final. For a lot of those players, it could be the pinnacle of their careers. So it's interesting, right? We, we're noting, we're acknowledging this is a huge win, a huge moment for Orlando City. We should also probably acknowledge it's a big moment for MLS. Like, we know everybody around USL was rooting for Sacramento Republic. I saw Don Garber here. MLS was here. They did not want to lose this game. Oh, I saw Don Garber as well. Uh, they didn't want to lose this game. They knew what was on the line. Um, along with that, U.S. Open Cup trophy that they've long claimed. It's never really been a challenge, right? It's the CONCACAF Champions League. But it's also the let's not get embarrassed by United Soccer League. Let's not get embarrassed by the USL. Let's, get, let's not get shown up by these guys. And uh, Orlando City, you have to give them credit because they really, and look, I, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm sitting here looking at these fans. There are still people in the stadium. It is so packed in the stadium. There's smoke, there's flares, people are singing, they are chanting. They are genuinely thrilled for their team. Look at the Orlando City fans uh, joining us here live on, on Football Americas. Now the huge story pregame, Herc, blew up our colleague Taylor Twellman with the report that Sacramento Republic filed a complaint with U.S. Soccer alleging that a staffer for Orlando City had attended their training on Monday, which wasn't a public park, was spying on the training, and wouldn't leave despite multiple efforts from Sacramento Republic staffers to get the Orlando City staffer to leave. Let's just start with the story. What do you make of it? What's your reaction to it when you first saw it? It's embarrassing. For who? I, for anybody associated with Orlando City. Really? Yeah, if you're I mean, it's a final. Don't you got to go all yeah, out? You don't gotta, if you're a fan, you're probably saying, no, if wait I'm a, a fan, second. I want my team doing that. No. In a final when we haven't won one yet? If I'm an Orlando City fan, I'm like, you really think we have to stoop to spine on them to beat this team? They're from the USL. Really? And, and if you're Orlando That's not respecting City, your opponent. I'm sorry. You, for someone who always talks about respecting your opponent, you got to do everything possible. Relax. Ask me why they would do it. Why? Okay. The desperation of winning a title because they respect and maybe even fear what this Sacramento Republic team has done. Now, speaking to Sacramento Republic officials who were there, they re asked repeatedly this, this worker or this employee of Orlando City to leave. He wouldn't. They wouldn't. It's embarrassing. It's, it's also embarrassing to kind of like a black eye on Major League Soccer. Regardless, if you ask any of the players, they had nothing to do with it. No difference. The players it had no, no idea. On the game. It wouldn't have made a difference for them. So it's just dumb. It's stupid. But it's silly. It's just embarrassing. Like, why would you need to do that? Right. Um, so a couple notes here. So what could this end up as, right? Like, what, what, what might actually happen here if you're Orlando City? According to the rules, a replay is possible if a protest is filed. Come on, Sam. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, these are also reports. Orlando is saying that there was no coordinated effort and that the employee didn't report back, okay? That's the claims from Orlando. But Orlando, I think we have to say, on top of spying, had every advantage in this game. Absolutely. They had home, they had no travel, they had the schedule in their favor, they had the money in their As favor. As you can tell by Sebastian's face, the weather the was weather in, their in their favor. <laughs> Do you think the weather played a role in this, the humidity? Because again, it was at the end of the game yeah. when Sacramento fades. Yeah, we saw a few Sacramento players. As soon as that whistle hit, they were on their backs, you know, they were hands on their knees, they were completely exhausted. It, it, it is what it is, but the advantages were in favor of Orlando. Also the talent level, let's be honest. Sure. You think U.S. soccer should step in and do anything for that? Or is, because I feel like if we're going to no. clutch our pearls about it, then there has to be a punishment. Otherwise, just leave it. Listen, and there United, is nothing in USL the USL had every that. opportunity to change that game if they wanted to, whether it was logistically possible or not. I do not know. Major League Soccer did. Whether you think that's fair or not, I don't care. That's just what it is what it is. But USL could have done the same thing. All right. Well, you know what's on the table now for Orlando. Un doblete. What? Yes. Could they be the first team, actually, since Herc's 2005 oh! LA game?
Galaxy, right, uh, to win a double, both MLS Cup and Open Cup. Of course, there's been some Toronto FC did it, but uh, Canadian Championship, not MLS Cup that year. So when we look at Orlando, we think about the Eastern Conference, we think about uh, Western Conference as well. They'd have to you know, be somebody from the West to win it all. Do you think they have any shot at a doblete? I mean, a shot, sure, because the East is so tightly contested. I believe between fifth, where Orlando are sitting right now, and you think tenth, they, you think they got a shot against Philly? And 13th, there's 10 points that separate them, and there's only three points that separate them from the, what is the, the line below, okay. the playoff line. Here's the thing, though. Oscar Pereja in his 13 <laughs> years in... in, in I Orlando hear City you. is not going anywhere. <laughs> Oscar Pereja in I his 13 seasons hasn't lifted an MLS Cup. He's a very good coach, but it's eluded him. And this is a team that, for all the talent that we've spoken of, they've only got 35 goals scored in league that's play. That's it, and that's it. You look at Erkan Khan today. The big money players are supposed to come out mm -hmm. in this type of game. He was non-existent. If Orlando City's supposed to do something in this East, when they get the playoffs, they need to take yes. care of their, their opportunities. They need to make sure they maximize those opportunities. And playing at home in front of a crowd like this could help that. But you need to put the ball in the back of the net. Sure. 35 goals in 28 games played. They actually have a negative goal differential. They got a minus five goal differential. I think it's very unrealistic that they would do the double. I might also suggest you that. You never know. We got in in 2005. The Galaxy got in as the last place team in the West. Right. I mean, I just see such a gap to Philadelphia. You don't, you don't see that. You think this team could beat Philly? I know they did in the no, Open Cup. No, listen, but. I respect Philly too much to say that even the best team in the West has a shot. I mean, they, they are very good. Right. They've taken care of business. But I will tell you something about winning. In 2005, we won the Open Cup before MLS okay. Cup, and it was like the bad news bears. A lot of talents, right. not necessarily lightening up, not necessarily statistically the best team. Winning is contagious. Winning makes you thrive for more. And lifting a trophy in front of your fans, we talk about brush fire for these fans and what it could do for their league. What about for these players? Yeah. And what could it do for their playoff chances? All right, well, we've got uh, an interview. Let's uh, let's hear what Christina Alexander, oh, we've got uh, graffiti raining down uh, as well. Confetti, I should say. Let's hear it from Christina Alexander. Moments ago, she caught up with Oscar Pareja, the now champion of the Open Cup. Happy as ever. You just made history for Orlando. How are you feeling? Very happy, very excited for the club, for the players, for the community, for Major League Soccer too. It was a very challenging rival and uh, we did the job. We were very proud. Seems like this means a lot to you. Who's on your mind and what's on your mind right now? Colombia. <laughs> Colombia, my country, my people, Medellin, my family. I'm very proud to be a Colombian who come to this country to show that we're good. And to my family that uh, join us in this journey. That is not, that is. Congrats, coach, on what has been a spectacular run here at the U.S. Open Cup. How do you take this momentum now? to a playoff run in the MLS. Right, yeah, we got to turn our minds uh, quick around, but today we're going to enjoy this trophy for Orlando. Who was the key player for you this night in front of this spectacular crowd? Well, it's difficult to mention one. I think all of them did an excellent job. It was a long journey. It was difficult. It's not an easy thing to come to the final. And, uh, and then they made it. So all of them just deserve it. It was a 0-0 in the first half. In the second, you told me what changes you'll have to make. We'll see. What did you see and what changes did you make for that second half to get that 3-0? Well, the boys that came from the bench helped us. They brought energy. We knew that they were going to push us and then the spaces will be there in behind. I think we did that very well. Two years here at Orlando, the second final now. What does it mean to finally get that trophy? And what does it mean to do it here in Orlando? It's great taking the team to the second final, but actually do it, not, not stay in the final. The community, the energy of the club, it's, it's, uh, it's nice, nice. And, uh, just giving this first trophy is important. It means a lot to these fans, but what does it mean thinking of the future of this club? Well, this is our uh, first uh, good song, you know, that we would like to keep going on. Coach, thank you so much. 
Enjoy the fans, enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the snow fair. Thank you so much. Some stuff from Christina. Congratulations to Oscar Pareja. So, how many times has an American team won the double? Just three times, as we mentioned, Herxelle Galaxy back in 2005. 1998, it was the Chicago Fire, their first year of existence, Bob actually. Bradley. And in DC United's first year of existence, they won both MLS Cup and the Open Cup. My beloved DC United of my childhood. Speaking of our younger days, how about this flashback? 2005, Open Cup Final. Your boy, Hercules Gomez, getting the job done. Walk us through it. Wow. You've seen one, you've seen them all. I mean, you've seen I me. Mean, no, nah, that's, a, that's a tijera in a final, bro. Yeah, it's okay. Pump yourself up a little bit. Hey! People here love us. Uh, yeah, you know, it was a good ball by Chris Albright. It was the only way I, I, I don't even know. I don't know what I was thinking. I just shot. Who'd you guys beat in that final? Uh, FC Dallas? FC Dallas. Were they FC Dallas or were they Dallas Burn back then? They were FC Dallas. FC Dallas. All right. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Elsewhere in Major League Soccer, Joseph Martinez has been suspended for one week by Atlanta United after a reported locker room confrontation with head coach Gonzalo Pineda. The Athletic reporting that after Atlanta's 2-1 loss to Portland on Sunday, player and coach had to be physically separated. Joseph officially suspended for conduct detrimental to the team who missed the Saturday's game versus Toronto FC. Herc, it's a mess down in Atlanta. Who's in more trouble? The star, Joseph Martinez, or the manager, Gonzalo Pineda? It's Joseph Martinez. Really? Yeah. You of all people I know, siding? I've defended Joseph Martinez. Excuse me. Siding with now. the manager and not the player. Go on. So Joseph Martinez, since Tata Martino was around, Tata Martino would take him out, second half sub, and he'd throw a tantrum. He would get in his face. Tata Martino leaves, and it's Frank DeBoer. There's an altercation with Frank DeBoer. Frank DeBoer leaves. It's guy behind it. There's literally a standoff where he tells ownership, Carlos Bocanera, Darren Eels, those people, it's either me or Heinze. They chose Joseph Martinez. He's off injured right now. Maybe not his fault. Production has dipped, and now it's another altercation with another coach. I don't think Joseph survives this one. Yeah. Whether you love Joseph or you hate him, or you think he's right or wrong, it's one too many, and I don't think they're going to pull the plug on Gonzo Pilena so soon. Right. Uh, one thing I would say here is it's it's such a moment in MLS history. Great reporting from the Athletic, our buddy Felipe yeah. Cardenas. Not Always. only do we know what happened in that Atlanta locker room, <laughs> we know it was chicken and rice that was thrown on the ground. That is the Detail Damn you, we need Joseph. for our drama. Damn you! That is perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, he did it right after the game, so you know uh, everybody was hungry as well. I feel like the dip in Joseph's productivity is a little bit exaggerated. He hasn't played as much, but he's got I think eight and four, right? Eight goals. Well, it's four, not just six. a dip in productivity because if you think about it, you could say he's been injured. What do yeah. you want? Yeah. He did his ACL, then they went in to fix that knee again. Uh, not the injury per se right now is that they're playing this is why the anger comes right. in Ronaldo Cisneros over him who's not been as nah. productive even with Joseph coming off the bench he's not scored I believe since I want to say May you know so it, it's a situation right now that has Joseph very upset Gonzalo Pineda doesn't offer too much insider transparency at least not with the media when it comes to the situation mm -hmm. other than that he's going for tactical reasons and Joseph blew up a little bit more on uh, Felipe's reporting for The Athletic. He said that Joseph refused to take part in training after finding out he wouldn't start in that game, Portland, in a, in a portion of training. I mean, that's a really bad look for a professional. Like, obviously yeah. your poach is going to be upset. I'd imagine that even rankle your teammates. 
Yeah, I'm sure there's a section in that locker room that absolutely adores and loves Joseph, just like a section of that fan base will forgive anything Joseph says or does, but it's not a good look. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I would say is I have been very disappointed in the work of Gonzalo Pineda. Remember at the beginning of the season, I thought that for sure he was the right guy for Atlanta. I thought they'd made the investments. They're 11th in the Eastern Conference yeah. right now. It doesn't look like they're going to make Maybe we can give them a pass with the injuries. I mean, everybody Brad has injuries in MLS. Yeah, but Brad Guzan, Miles Robinson, Ozzy Alonso, yeah. then it was Joseph Martinez. I mean, pick your poison. I guess my point is, of all the people in Atlanta, the one name we haven't really mentioned is Carlos Bocanegra, right? And right. that's probably the name that is under the most pressure right And I'm now. sure he's the guy that needs to make this decision that's probably going to decide his future. Yep. All right, uh, there's more bad news for Atlanta United as well uh, from the midweek. Miles Robinson was arrested, uh, actually this was from last week and last Saturday, on one count of what they're calling theft by taking. It stems from an incident in an Atlanta bar. According to the police report, Robinson refused to pay for a $5 drink. This is just the uh, latest in what has been a very difficult calendar year for Miles Robinson. Of course, he tore his Achilles back in May and has missed uh, all of Atlanta United's season since. And uh, hopefully this won't lead to any more trouble for the young defender. Down in Houston, the Dynamo were looking for a new manager. After parting ways with Paolo Nagamura, it was his first season with the team. Houston had an eight-win, 16-loss, and five-draw record in league play. He's currently Houston right now, last in the Western Conference. But, Herc, he didn't even get a full season. Do you feel like Nagamura got a fair shake with the Houston Dynamo? No. Oh, no, 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 no. Your your boy, Pat Onsad, has got some explaining to do. Oh, really? Okay, go on. Yeah. yeah. He did quite a lot of explaining in the press conference, but I'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, you bring in 10 new players. Yep. You ship off 12. This game that they lost against Seattle... Darwin Quintero doesn't start. Hector Herrera uh, wasn't available. I'm looking at the lineup. Papa Pico, Ferreira, Corey Baird. That lineup's not going to scare anybody. Right. Like, what did what did he have to work with? And you give him, what, not a full season? Yeah. Like, this, to me, I, I see the ranks, but this, to me, screams desperation. Hmm. Like, you're, you're trying to cling to something. Now, who else do you have that's going to make things better magically with this roster? Right. No, I think I get what you're saying. They brought in Hector Herrera. So, really, like, they gave him, they didn't give him a full season. They only gave him a month or two with the biggest investment in franchise in history. In their club's history. Right? And so that's the thing. It's like, hey, you brought this guy this new tool, and then in a month or two of him not being able to figure out what to do with that, um, it was over. I, to the points about Pat Onset, he owned it. He said, I was the guy that hired, you know, this coach, and, and the responsibility lies um, with me. What I'll also say is something else that Onstad said in that press conference, which rung out to me. He was asked directly about guys like Bielsa and Tata, right? Like big right. names. And he said, if we believe that those are the guys, then we will, quote, go to ownership and see what they feel like. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. See what they feel like? See what Houston's ownership feels like? No, 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 no. Houston's ownership told us what they felt like when they went out and got Hector Herrera, right? They, they have to continue. That. We said when they signed Atiacha, that was not enough. That was a good first step, right? So now you got to go out, and if you need to hire a big coach, then you got to go out and hire a big coach, and ownership better be ready to keep what, spending. What, what's Pat Onsat's title? Uh, I don't know, GM president, you know, whatever, or, director of soccer ops. Who makes those decisions? Well, no, but what he's saying... You do saying, Pat Onstad. He's got to go do. up to the ownership to get no. the money approved. No, what's your what's your role there to get the money approved? This makes no sense. If you want to leave these decisions to people who have nothing to do with the sporting landscape, Houston will keep being the dumpster fire that they've been. Wow, somebody's got to stroke the checks, bro. You, you can't just go out and do <laughs> whatever you want to do. You just said they said they're willing to do it. No, no, no. I said he's got to go and see if they feel like it, which what I'm saying is ownership should have told him long ago, we feel like it, right? We feel like it. There's no question um, anymore about this. It's a mess in Houston. That's the second coach they fired in, in a calendar year, yeah. um, and they made the playoffs You know once. what the worst thing about this? Jimmy Lozano interviewed for that job. Mm. Jimmy Lozano, who's with the Necaxa, Jimmy Lozano, who was the Olympic coach of the bronze medal for the Mexican National U23 team, interviewed for this job. They said no thank you. Mm. All right. Well, uh, there you have it in Houston. Who else is going to say? Have not made the playoffs but once since 2014, which is, by the way, the year that I left Houston. What do you know about that? Seattle and Austin coming up on Saturday on ESPN Plus. More Major League Soccer on your television screens. Huge one out west. Dare I say a must-win, Herc, for Seattle. That's Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Full time whistle. Chelsea have won the Champions League. Chelsea, everybody back in from Harrison Rodrigo. This is getting better and better for Leeds It looked like Chelsea were going to take the lead in this at one stage. Emotional. Blood boiling, sometimes angry, utterly furious, and still furious. No, no problem. Problem is emotional. It's football. You like it? Just don't need comments now. It's. Uh, uh, this is. Uh, I need a while to digest this. I cannot understand where this comes from. It's, uh, it's clearly not enough for, for, for Chelsea team. U.S. men's national team fans woke up to some big news this morning. Chelsea have sacked Thomas Tuchel. The decision coming after their defeat on Tuesday in the Champions League, the Dinamo Zagreb. They've lost three of their past five games across all comps. Now sixth in the Premier League. Fifteen months, Herc. That's all it's been since Tuchel took Chelsea to the Champions League title. But he is now gone. And what everybody who loves the Stars and Stripes is asking is, what does it mean for Christian Pulisic? So, what is the impact of Tuchel's departure on Captain America? It's a new lease on life. Thomas Tuchel has proven time and time again that he doesn't trust or value Christian Pulisic. Christian Pulisic tried to leave. They would not let him leave nor entertain offers for him to leave. So while Thomas Tuchel was there, we were going to get much of the same. Mm -hmm. Little playing time, maybe 10-minute cameos, a random start here or there. And that is so difficult for a player, for a player to adapt and to really embrace and to really be effective in. Because what you're asking him to do is to solve a problem that you couldn't or the starters couldn't do in 70-plus minutes. And when he doesn't, all we hear is, look, they gave him his opportunity. Yeah. Well, now that's out the window. Now Christian Pulisic has that new lease on life. Yeah, this is definitely good news, I feel like, for Christian Pulisic, but it's not a panacea. It's not a cure-all, I don't feel like, yeah. by any means. But you look at how Tuchel had kind of rated him, where he had him in the attacking mix. So let's go back to the game against Zagreb, right? They get scored on. They're down one nothing. so clearly at the half, they need to make changes. Who does he bring on on 45 minutes? Ziyech. Yeah. He brings on Ziyech. He waits another half hour to bring on Christian Pulisic. Pulisic is the last of the five subs when you desperately needed a goal, as we find out, to save your job. And he still went to Christian Pulisic late. I think we set now say, okay, Pulisic will move up the ladder. How far up the ladder? I don't know, because it's a tough ladder to climb, no it matter is. who the manager is, and he's going to have to produce. But he will move up the ladder. The other big thing I think here is, aside from the randomness of the start, I think the randomness of where he plays yeah, right wing hopefully back will yeah. go away. You're right. Right wing back was what we always like focused on. But even this idea of him as a false nine, and we saw it in the start against West Ham, there were plenty of points in that game where he was the yep. furthest forward player. That's not where Christian Pulisic needs to be. I'm sorry. No, it's not where Christian Pulisic needs to be. And you have to ask yourself how bad things were going where they would allow a coach to bring in so many players, so mm. many of his guys. Obama Yang just came in. His guy, clearly his guy and then sack them. How bad things have gotten, maybe in that locker room, maybe with those players. Maybe they saw no future in sight. I mean, for, as a board, it's a ridiculous move to make, allowing him to bring in that many players and then sacking them. All right, so the hashtag was free Pulisic. We now know that that's going to lead to more pressure on Christian Pulisic. Do you feel like this is kind of last chance saloon for him at Chelsea with this new manager, whoever it is, when they finally make kind not, of the full-time Not just hire? Chelsea, but the brass, but the situation at Chelsea. I almost feel like a lot of British Chelsea fans have given up on Christian Pulisic. They okay, see Christian but the fans Pulisic. don't matter, right? <laughs> say that again into the no, camera, no, no, please. I didn't say that. <laughs> fans mean everything. They don't matter to the coach. I but would think say. about this. You have everybody right now. You're either in Pulisic's camp 
or you're against him. There really is no in-between. Right. There is nobody who says, yeah, you know, well, maybe, I don't know. No, it's he's not been given a chance. Or it's, you know what, he's just not good enough to play at Chelsea. He's just not good enough to be there. And that really is the sentiment with a lot of people who don't value Christian Pulisic. So as long as that's the sentiment and you don't prove yourself, you didn't prove yourself with Frank Lampard. You didn't prove yourself with Thomas Tuchel. And whomever comes in, you don't prove yourself there? Mm -hmm. This could be your last chance at an elite team. I don't know if you uh, saw it earlier today on the Champions League coverage. Our colleagues over at CBS, Jamie Carragher, straight up said Pulisic is not good enough for Chelsea. You agree or disagree? The, who's that the uh, guy who played for <laughs> the little small one played for Liverpool? No, you know exactly who he is. Is Christian Pulisic a world elite attacker. Like, is he I'm good enough to start at a club like Chelsea? Because that's really the question, right? Nobody wants to see him on the bench at a big club. They want to see him play. So. I think he's good enough to start at Chelsea because I view okay. Chelsea as... I mean, over who? You're going to have to B. tell me over Sterling? Well... Over Havertz? Over yeah, Aubameyang? I mean, this version of Havertz, yes. Over this Mason version Mount? of Mount's hurt, yes. I mean, have you, you seen the statistics for Kai Havertz and Mason Mount this season? So this version of them, yes. Okay. All right. Um, I, I do think there's a point to be said here about the managers who have not been able to find Christian Pulisic's spot yet. Because it's not just Tuchel. It was also Lampard to an extent, although I think Lampard's a little bit more injury-related. Correct. And even Lucien Favre in the last year at Dortmund, which yeah. might have been a little contract-related. That's contract-related. I will say, I'll give Thomas Tuchel... But he's Tuchel, never been like a full-time starter. He's dude. not, but I'll give Thomas Tuchel a little bit of credit. About the time he, about the time we saw the best at Christian Pulisic, it was really Thomas Tuchel pushing his buttons. It was yeah. really him lighting that fire underneath him. Listen, that... That 90-minute uh, series against Real Madrid, the semifinal in the, United, in the UEFA Champions uh, League, was something else for Christian Pulisic. Yeah, we talk about. Um, you but mentioned it was also about two years ago, right? You mentioned his like tension with the coaching staff, and and obviously that's going to be relieved now, we think. But there's also, to your point, I think tension with the club and with this contract ending yeah. in, in 2024, I think it is. I believe so. Yeah, so 2024, basically, like it's kind of sell time now, and I, I just don't know how much I see his future at Chelsea with Bowley coming in, all the transition. We don't know the new manager. I feel like it solves one problem, but almost the bigger problem now has become the relationship with the club, especially with what you mentioned, which is they wouldn't even let him go look at other yeah. options. They didn't. Those loan offers certainly came in. Chelsea was like, nah, we're not going to do um, exactly what it is that you want. Okay, so Christian Pulisic was in the Champions League this week. So let's run it back Champions League style. No Christian Pulisic here. But Gio Reyna came off the bench and had not won her, but two assists. Shout out to the Orlando fans. We love you. We love you. We're paying attention. Dortmund beat Copenhagen, Herc, 3-0. Great to see Gio back out there. It's amazing to see Gio back. Um, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's good to see him back in there. 67 minutes. He gets two assists. It's exactly what you expect of Gio Reyna when he's healthy. So he came off the bench and had two assists and a 3-0 win for Dortmund. Weston McKinney, a halftime sub, and he scored eight minutes after coming on to the game. Not the result he wanted, but certainly the performance he wanted. PSG went up 2-0 early and ends up winning 2-1. Typical Weston McKinney fashion, right? Set piece, header, you knew it was coming, yep. elevated over everybody. Take that, Donnarumma! Big moment, too. We know uh, Weston definitely won Free the Kaling. Free Kaling. stage. All right, so another goal featuring CONCACAF. Edson Alvarez for Ajax starts and scores. Actually, the game winner for Ajax in a 4-0 victory over a Rangers squad that features James Sands and Malik Tillman hurt. You think he's a little angry he didn't go to Chelsea? Look at that. You're uh, seeing the best out of Edson right now. I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you, he's going to be pretty happy he didn't go to Chelsea. But we'll talk about that <laughs> in a second. All right, so we have uh, three candidates right there. Which one do you think had the best midweek, Kirk, in the Champions League? Um, it wasn't just statistically, but it was emotionally mm. and personally. It had to be Gio Reyna. Mm. Gio Reyna, the last time we fully saw him on the field, featuring healthy, when you say there was nothing wrong with him, nothing about him, was September 2nd, 2021. Has it been that long? World That's Cup crazy. qualifier against El Salvador. He comes out and he's not been fully fit since then. It's been over a year. He needed this desperately. Mm. You're 80 some odd days, less than 80 some odd days from a World Cup. And if there's one player that needed to be emotionally, physically, in check and ready. It was Gio Reyna. This performance coming in for an injured player. Yep, yep. And Hazard, and having that performance to assist, it's going to do wonders for his confidence, and it's also going to send a message to Greg Berhalter. So two assists, 67 minutes. It looks great on paper, but you, the player who watched the game, did he look like the he old did. Gio Reyna? He did. You know, there, yeah, was yeah. A, there was a there was a play where Bellingham and Reyna ended up tangling up with the player. 
and the player got in the Gio Reyna's face. And it was Bellingham and oh, Reyna yeah. that literally bullied this player. And it was that snarly, that, that mean Gio Reyna yeah. back there. You've not had that. Gio's one of the few players that has that, probably since the Dempsey era. And you can tell that the rest of the team loves him. Bellingham obviously had his back there. Julian Brandt, who's the man of the match, yeah. was interviewed after the game. He said, hey, you could have given it to Reyna, right? Coming yeah. off the bench for all the injuries that he's been through uh, to get those two assists huge. You know I'm not going to agree with you. You know I, just, I cannot do right, that. Um, so remind me of the three players that we just mentioned. Which one started for his team? Edson. Okay. So I'm going to go with Edson. I'm going to go with Edson because he started. The only guy who didn't get a goal assist. Oh, he got a goal. Okay. I got to go. I got to go with Edson here. Uh, he so he gets a goal. He gets a goal. Not something that he's usually known for. He gets a goal here in an in a, in a easy, I think, 4 nothing win. Boy, it's not just Edson. It's Ajax, dude. Ajax looked really, really good. Maybe it's a statement on Rangers. I, I can't pretend to watch them all that much. I thought it would be a much closer game. So to see Edson play as well as he did and Ajax play as well as they did. And on top of that, we talk about how important it is. Dude, they've sold like 9 or 10 players, Ajax. Crazy so amount he of is, players. He is the guy right now. He is the guy well, for Ajax. Not only is he the guy, but all eyes are on Edson over this failed transfer with Chelsea. Yep. So it's an unbelievable moment to get on the score sheet. And I, I, I just to finish off the point we made earlier, I, I think it's great that he didn't go to Chelsea. A, a week really? ago I would have said something different. Really? But yeah, yeah, it's just Chelsea's I a mess right now. I don't transfer with a coach you don't know who the coach is going to be if, if, if you think Edson isn't good enough to play at another big club then okay but I think he is good no, enough to I'm play at another saying big that. club I just don't think another big club moment's going to come around like mm. that uh, the one player that we didn't mention there is Weston McKinney gets the goal he comes off the bench I'm looking at the Juve midfield you don't seem that worried Betancourt Locatelli Leandro Paredes uh, Adrian Rabio, all internationals for their respective right. teams you don't and we haven't meant, even mentioned Paul Pogba. I mean, you're not worried about his playing yeah, time there surgery. in the midfield? Um, and what did I tell you? If you're going to worry anytime a top player comes into a team for an American or a Mexican, all you're going to do is worry. Because right. if you want him a top teams, this is what it's about. Weston has proven himself before, and half the time he doesn't even play in the middle. Yeah. All right, so uh, real quick, let's take a look at some more CONCACAF participation in the Champions League over the midweek, because there was a lot of it, a lot of Canadian representation, Americans and and Mexicans as well, Serginho Dest and Jorge Sanchez, each making their debuts for AC Milan and Ajax, respectively. And hey, by the way, you can watch Edson. Uh, that's uh, Saturday on ESPN Plus as Ajax takes on Herrenbin in the Eredivisie, which of course is available for you exclusively on ESPN Plus. Sort of in this moment, it's going forward, but we wouldn't be here without all the players that came before and all the work and sort of the groundwork that they laid. A no effect across the world in many industries, and I can't wait to sign that piece of paper. So gratitude and, and pride and, and a sense of relief because I didn't really think this was going to happen in, in my career. Who's coming? Huge moment last night in Washington, D.C. as representatives of both the U.S. women's national team and men's national team formally signed their new collective bargaining agreement with the U.S. Soccer Federation, which, of course, promises equal pay for both teams. Spectacular moment there at Audi Field. Years and years, should we say, decades and decades of effort from the women's national team finally coming to fruition there in a ceremony after the U.S. played against Nigeria last night at Audi field. How about the game? Let's check out the highlights from that one in the nation's capital. Of course, the U.S. Women's National Team comes to D.C. once, and I'm gone. Second minute there, chance for U.S. Uh, unfortunately yeah. couldn't score as they uh, almost broke through early, and then they did find the breakthrough in the 24th minute. Mallory Pugh sends it across the uh, own goal. When the defender faces her own goal, that's usually what happens. It's a dangerous ball across from Mallory Pugh. Defender facing her own goal into her own net. Mallory Pugh having a great year for club and country. Uh-oh! Uh -oh. 49th minute here, and Nigeria scores. Yes, would you believe it? Uchenna Kanu making it 1-1. I mean, it's ridiculous control, and then, oh, sets herself up for the right and roofs it. Megan Rapino coming on in the second half. This game, 1-1. And what do you know, Herc? It would be Megan Rapino that provides the assist on the game winner. Rose Lavelle, that's a tough header, isn't it? No, 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 no. it's a tough header. But I want you to look at Megan Rapino's touch here, OK? Watch what she does with the left foot, the way she opens up her body and touches this towards her. It's a ridiculous touch to set up the cross. The finish ain't too shabby either. 
So there it is, the U.S. Women's National Team, 2-1 winners over Nigeria on a very special night in the nation's capital. Herc, it brings us to a key question, because when Megan Rapinoe was brought back on the team, we heard from Vladko Ananovsky, it was about her leadership. She's right. accepted a different role, no longer needs to be the starter. Boy, she had a pretty big impact last night. Should she be in the 11 for the U.S. women moving forward? It's difficult to say a player of Megan Rapinoe's caliber shouldn't be in a starting lineup. Especially if, playing like this. But if what Vlatko Valenowski is looking for is the new generation, and you have players like Sofia Smith, Mallory Pugh, Sofia Huerta coming through, why after two games against Nigeria are you going to say it's Megan Rapinoe's time? I know she's found the game. I love her game again. I know she has that rejuvenated mm -hmm. feeling. But if you really want to go to the next generation, mm -hmm. want to take that leap, wouldn't it just be holding back the U.S. Women's National Team? Because we saw it in the CONCACAF W Championship. Where was Megan? Where was Megan? Yep. She was at the White House she for was some at the of White it, House. but she was with the team as well. How did it go for her? They didn't rely on her. They didn't need okay. her against that level of competition. But because they did against Nigeria, you want her yeah. on. I think the best point that you make for keeping Megan Rapinoe on the bench is the two players you mentioned first, Sophia Smith and Mallory Pugh, who are playing lights out, like so good right now at the club level. They've been good at the national team level, at the international level, but maybe not as dominant. And here's my point with Megan Rapinoe. I think she's going to be a sub. I think come the 2023 World Cup, right. she's a super sub, a great person to have in the locker room, and a great presence to bring into the game late because she gives everybody else confidence. Julie Foudy talked about it on the broadcast last night. Here's my worry, and I've said this before. The attack for the U.S. women's national team has not convinced at any point under Vladko Andonovsky. And so I could see us getting into a tournament situation at the World Cup, a one-game, big-game situation where maybe the team hasn't been clicking in the final third. And Vladko Andonovsky looks at it and says, you know what, I know Megan Rapinoe's worth a goal, a goal and an assist, something great in that first half so we don't have to sweat it out the rest of the way. I think she's a break the glass in case of emergency, and I just think the U.S. is closer to an emergency, Herc, than most people think. If they go, when they go up against the, the truly best teams in the world, we're going to see in October against England. I think You it, said I think, they're the best team in the world. Now you want an in-case-of-emergency break? Against the best teams in the world, you need, to, you need to take advantage of your chances in the final third. And I don't think there's a player right now who consistently creates better chances for other players on the field in the final well, third you're right with their about service one thing. than the, the attack has been lackluster, and we saw in the Olympics, when you relied on those veterans, what happened. Okay, uh, let's move on. We'll stick in the women's game with uh, actually a match that we talked about on Monday night yep. before it happened. Copa Angelina, the first ever featuring Angel City against the Mexican women's national team. Uh, actually, her really cool event. They had, I think, something like 18, 19,000 in attendance. Just a great turnout. I think over 20,000. Good ball in right there. Oh! Ridiculous save. Hope Breslin's header. Denied off the line. 72nd minute, Mexico breaks through here. And uh, Megan Reed applies the finishing touch. It's an own goal for Angel City. Yeah, it's so unlucky. Megan Reed doesn't know too much about this. This is what happens again. Defender facing her own goal. Uh, it kind of pinball action. She looks up, hits her foot, and men. Uh, you're a Mexico fan. You're asking, where were these goals in qualifying? 75th minute. This one comes across. Scarlett Cambreros, the pride of Chula Vista. Yeah. Went to UC Irvine doing it in her home state. Look at Cambreros that. with a nice little touch on the right foot, then finishes it off with the left. Look, silky smooth little trap right there. Left footed slots it away. So the score, 2 nothing. For more on the first ever Copa Angelina, let's hear from Katia Castorena. Over 17,000 fans at Bank of California got to witness the first ever Copa Angelina between Mexico's women's national team and Angel City FC. The first game between these two as part of a multi-year partnership that looks to grow the women's game in Los Angeles and amongst the Mexican community in particular. Mexico got to lift the first trophy after the victory over Angel City FC, a much needed confidence boost for Mexico after the past couple of months that were pretty tough in results. The Mexican national team failed to qualify to the 2023 World Cup and the 2024 Olympics. Therefore, they're undergoing a transition period. The only way around it, said Captain Kenty Robles, is hard work. Bueno, al final estamos hablando de, de un partido contra un club. Eh, siempre una selección este, 
tiendo a pensar que, que tiene que ser eh, mucho mejor que, que un club. Eh, estoy contenta por, por todas nosotras porque necesitábamos la victoria. Es un factor muy importante, pero hay que exigirnos muchísimo más. Este, todo lo, lo sabemos eh, y este es el principio de seguir para arriba. Sabemos que estamos en una época de transición, de muchísimos cambios. Y cada una de nosotras tiene que crecer porque México no puede estar donde está ahora mismo. Tiene que estar más allá. Bueno, la vida consiste en eso, ¿no? en los cambios. Eh, todos nosotros ya no solo en el fútbol, sino en la vida a veces nos echan de un trabajo, tenemos que buscar otro y seguir creciendo. O te quedas atrás o te adecuas a las nuevas situaciones y ya lo decía Darwin, ¿no? gana el que se adapta más rápido. Entonces, este, nosotras creo que lo más importante es que seguimos siendo un grupo muy unido, una familia, que sabemos que cada una tiene que, que seguir creciendo, que exigirse lo máximo y el día de mañana esté quien esté y que encuentre el grupo y la familia que es. Mexican Federation President John De Luisa recently appointed Andrea Rodebao as the new director of women's national teams in Mexico, overlooking all of the categories. Next up, choosing the head coach for the first team, which will be Pedro López. Once it's made official, he will be in charge after Monica Vergara's dismissal. Thank you very much. Great work there from Katia in Los Angeles. Check in on the action from Liga Mekis. Good week for Mexican internationals. Henry Martin with his seventh goal of the campaign as America wins. Eighth goal of the campaign. Eighth goal of the I campaign mean, as America wins. Uh, campaign. Three nothing over San Luis. Yeah, he misses a penalty kick though. That was a dagger right there. Could have been the fourth. He goes down the middle. But still leading Liga Mekis. Next up for Ames, they chase that historic winning streak Necaxa. Jesus Gallardo with his second goal of the season for Rayados. That is crazy because this man usually does not score goals. Getting the start for Rayados and Rayados, uh, well, against Cruz Azul, no problem. Cementing themselves as one of the top teams in Liga Mekis, really giving Club America a run for their money. Also for Rayados. What do you think? Luis Romo, he did it, Herc. Corona should have oh, done better that's, here. That's Clint Dempsey, Rob Green, isn't it? You know what? It takes a deflection, but even with the deflection, I think Jota Jota can do a little bit more, but I tell you what, Luis Romo really needed this. So Rayado send up uh, winning that game 3-2. There was some good news for Cruz Azul. Uriel Antuna scores his first goal of the season, Herc. Been a long time coming. Yeah, and he's excited. He's pumped up for that. He really needs that. If there's somebody who needs an injection of life, confidence before this World Cup, it's Uriel Antuna. What was that in the skills challenge, huh? <laughs> Easy. Uriel Antuna with a goal as Cruz Azul falls 3-2 against Rayados. We got the Campeones Cup coming up next Wednesday from Yankee Stadium, New York City FC against Atlas the champions of MLS against the champions of Liga MX and Football Americas will be in New York live for full post-game coverage of the Campeones Cup next Wednesday. Surely the highlight of his week. He scored not once, but twice as Orlando City claimed the 2022 U.S. Open Cup with a 3-0 win over Sacramento Republic. He goes in the books. Herc is the man of the match. You got any argument? No. El Cuervo, man of the match. Caca! Caca! <laughs> you know, that's what they call him, El Maybe they're uh, watching back in Uruguay. He's uh, in the big roster for the upcoming friendlies in September. I think they called up 41 players, but he's got a shot at the World Cup roster. Performances like this will certainly help. After the match, he spoke with our Cristina Alexander. Let's listen in. Facundo, dos goles en una final. ¿Qué significa? Eres parte de la historia de Orlando. Two goals in a final. You're a part of Orlando's history. How does it feel? No, muy feliz, muy feliz. La verdad que 
veníamos a una final que sabíamos que teníamos que ganar sí o sí, eh, era historia para el club. Eh, llegué hace poquito, pero me siento muy parte de, del equipo ya. Y nada, la verdad que hoy una noche soñada, no puedo pedir más. Y me voy muy feliz por el equipo y por mí acá. He said he just got here basically and he's already a part of Orlando's history and he's really happy about how obviously the night went with those two goals and being a part of Orlando's history. Now, ¿quién te acompaña esta noche? Who's with you tonight? Mi familia, mis papás y mi novia siempre están conmigo a cualquier parte que vayan y hoy por suerte los tengo acá conmigo. His parents, his girlfriend, normally they have trouble being with him in some of the games, but they're here tonight to be able to celebrate with him. ¿Cuál fue la clave de esta noche? What was the key tonight for those two goals, los dos goles que anotaste? Y un poco el equipo no desesperarnos, porque sabíamos que al saber que ellos no eran un equipo de MLS, te puede jugar mucho en contra, creo que teníamos más presión nosotros que ellos. Y eso nos podía jugar en contra, el no desesperarnos, aguantar, ya iban como 70 y el equipo estaba tranquilo, seguía haciendo lo que el profe no, nos, pedi, nos pidió durante la semana y creo que un poco esa fue la clave. Uh, especially with a team that they maybe don't know so well and that they know that could actually be dangerous, which is what they saw from Sacramento tonight, the key up to the 70th minute to be able to keep that calm and find those three goals in the last minute. Guys, Facundo, sabemos que en este momento se encuentran en una buena posición también pensando en la liga. ¿Qué tan motivante es tener este título pensando en lo que sigue? How motivational is it to have this title looking forward to the MLS playoffs? Mucho, mucho. Eh, venimos cuatro partidos seguidos con victoria. Eh, veníamos un poco mal y por suerte dejamos esa racha atrás y ahora tenemos una racha linda. Y esta copa nos lleva un poco de motivación para, para seguir peleando la liga también. They left behind a bad streak there. They're able to get back to it and adding this title now. They're very looking forward to what's left now from the season. Facundo, muchísimas gracias. Thank you so much and congratulations. Muchas gracias a usted. All right, next up for Orlando. Oh, a tough one. The Philadelphia Union. Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Coverage starts on ESPN+. Do not miss your next chance to see the 2022 U.S. Open Cup champions. Speaking of the U.S. Soccer Federation, they, of course, run the Open Cup. They also run the men's national team. You can see them on Friday, September 23rd. It's an early game against Japan. 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Coverage starts, and we will be live after that game concludes on ESPN+, Plus with a very special edition of Football Americas. Speaking of special editions of Football Americas, bro, this has been a special edition, huh? I don't think I've ever seen you sweat so much. Yeah, I know. I won't point out your pit stains then since we're here um, on camera. We will be here uh, on Monday, not here in Orlando. We will right. be here live on ESPN+. Plus. Jeff Carlisle is going to join us. I know we've been talking about what's happening in Portland, mentioning it here on the show. We'll bring him on. Uh, he's got all the latest on that, so we'll get filled in uh, from that. And I think we got a few more other things that we will uh, look forward to on Monday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Gigi. Oh, happy birthday to Herc's daughter. Wow, what a special, special moment after a special, special edition of Football Americas. For Herc, I'm Seb. Thanks for watching. We'll see you on Monday here on ESPN Plus for the next edition of the show.